Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Corey Stoll grew up in New York and began his acting career on the theater stage. Fast forward, he can now be seen in some of the biggest hit TV series and films like House of Cards on Netflix, The Strain on FX, and Marvel Comics film Ant-Man. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Corey Stoll reflects on how he first got involved in acting, what his favorite role has been, and his new film, The Many Saints of Newark. Hey, Corey. Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm good. Who's that photo of behind you? That's Miles Davis. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Am I blind or is it hard to see? Maybe I'm blind. It's pretty far away. Is it? Okay. Okay. And it's out of, you know, not used to that context of seeing him boxing. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's why I was asking, am I blind? Because... I was like, am I just not seeing it correctly? Because it looks like a boxer he has there. Yeah. But that's Miles Davis, interesting, in a boxing pose. Yeah, work, working out at Gleason's gym. Yeah. Are you, do, you, do you box or are you uh... – uh, I've, I've, I've done some. It's, it's been frustrating. I was really getting into uh, Krav Maga, that's a, like the Israeli martial arts, uh, for a couple of years leading up to the pandemic. And then obviously wasn't doing it really during the pandemic. I need to get back into it. It's cathartic. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else do you do? Are you a runner? Or are you a uh, what? 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 What release do you get? You know, I'm I'm a swimmer and a walker and uh, and I like to and I lift weights. That that was that's really been the 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 sort of mental health um, savior during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Did you stay in New York the whole time, or or what did you do? Yeah, yeah, almost all the time. We took a couple little trips in the summer, but um, but yeah, mostly mostly here. Wow, wow. I was in New York. I live in the Bay Area. I live in California, but I've been out to New York now two or three times. And it feels like New York is kind of waking up again and is out and about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, and, and you know, it looked like we were almost there. Yeah, yeah. Just right, like a few right, weeks ago. right, right. You know, like tonight I'm going to the opening of the Shakespeare in the Park, which I'm so excited about. But there's even like a little bit of that sort of like joy of like we're back is is undercut a little bit because, you know, we're not entirely safe. Yeah. Yeah. Is your does your little fella realize what's going on or is he too young or where, where is he in his recognition of, you know, of this time we've been in? You know, he I think I think we did a good job letting him know that. It's serious. We need to take precautions, but we're going to be fine, you know. And and as long as we take these precautions, we'll be fine. And so he's been, he's been really cool. He's actually had a shockingly happy year. Um, you know, he's it's amazing. It's like, you know, kids are so resilient on the big things often. And then it's like some random comment that you give them that I'm sure he'll be <laughs> telling his therapist in 20 years. <laughs> now, now what kind of dad are you? Are you the lenient dad? Are you the tough dad? Are you the, uh, <laughs> what, 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 what kind of dad are you? Well, it's all in context, right? So, you know, you know, either the parents play the role. So I am definitely the more of the rule maker and rule keeper. Um, but it's 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 within it's within limits. I'm not I'm not the great Santini. Okay, okay, yeah. It's uh, 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 there, there's so many interesting dances, and as you know, last year has been such an interesting time for lots of people and lots of uh, parents, especially who have more time uh, with the kids, where the families are are together in kind of a different way. So it's uh, uh, it's interesting in that regard. Corey, where'd you grow up? Are you a native New Yorker? Or where where was home originally? Yeah, I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Yeah. And what was that like back then? Was it was the Upper West Side the Upper West Side of today or was there was there kind of a different feel to it at the time? It was it was not nearly as 
um, you know, it was hard to, it was, it was hard to find a good restaurant, <laughs> you know, it was, it, it was, it was, it was definitely much more rough around the edges and, and, um, and, and the dividing lines. I mean, there's, you know, you know, I remember my grandfather talking about Central Park West when he was growing up, he grew up in, in Manhattan too. And the elevated, uh, subway, I figured it either went up Columbus or Amsterdam. And he was like, that was the other side of the tracks. You know that there was, you know, these 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 Tony apartments, you know, along Central Park West, and then you pass Amsterdam, and you're really you're really in 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 a dangerous area, and and that that is really, you know, that, that's that's not like that anymore at all. Yeah. And were your folks artists? Were they actors as well? Or are you the are you you're breaking ground? Yeah, yeah. I, my my dad was a teacher, and then he uh, founded this, uh, this high school, this public high school, that's been really successful, the Beacon High School in New York. Um, and, uh, which is really like non-traditional, uh, school where they don't have grades, they have it's sort of portfolio based. Um, and, and my mom, uh, is a lawyer. Um, and they're both very recently retired, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, like like the arts in my family, there were like I had a couple grandmothers who uh, like a, I had a grandmother who was a sculptor, and uh, uh, well, and my other grandmother was just a a lover of the arts. But uh, no, it was not a very artistic uh, family. I definitely stick out in that sense. And and did you get to it early? Like, were you a kid at eight, nine, and ten? If Corey and Carlos had been buddies, would you have told me, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be an actor one day, or or what were we talking about when you were eight, nine, ten? Uh, no, in fact, I, I, I it was a it was like a very clear moment. We were doing it was this program when I was in fifth grade. Uh, the Metropolitan Opera uh, did this amazing program where they'd go into uh, elementary schools and you'd sort of do these brainstorming sessions with kids and br- break them up into you know, you're the writers, you're the set designers, you're the actors. And I really wanted to be a stage manager. <laughs> For some reason, they had like, I think they had, I think they had trouble getting kids to be stage managers. And so they were like, you, this is the job you want. <laughs> and I was like, right. totally. And I was like, and you know, my head teacher was like, you should be an actor. I guess she saw something that I didn't see. And I was like, no, there's, you know, there's just show offs. Um, that's not me. I'm, I'm more down to earth than that and then we did this very brief little improvisation where it was you know the whole class got into a circle and they would like throw a scenario at you and they said you know you're somebody dying of thirst in the desert and I just hammed up the biggest death with all these sort of false deaths and got these huge laughs and from from then on I'd gotten that little shot of dopamine that I've been chasing ever since. Did, did, did Does that teacher know that you went on to become an actor? Yeah. Like, have you stayed in touch with that teacher in any way? Uh, <laughs> I, I, not, not, I mean, maybe a couple of times I've seen her. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. And then, and then I had a teacher right after that in junior high school, um, Anne Retray, who just passed away. Um, uh, who really sort of, you know, the high schools in New York, they have the, the like Stuyvesant and Brock science, the, the, the schools that you test into and then LaGuardia, the, the former arts high school. And she had somehow figured out the formula of getting kids into LaGuardia. You do these monologues and she, um, yeah, she, she Anne Retray, she really, she really steered the, the course of my life in a, in a completely different direction. And, 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 and at LaGuardia, were you ever overwhelmed? Were you ever like, oh, my God, there are all these talented kids? Because LaGuardia, if I remember correct, is uh, maybe even Miles went there. I can't remember whether or not he went there. But, but, but I feel like Jennifer Aniston went there and, you know, a whole suite of interesting actors. I'm sure I'm not even remembering uh, the folks I should be mentioning now. But, but they've got a thick history, not, not a thin history when it comes to yeah, and and even you know, you know like and very recently, like Timothy Chalamet and uh, ZZ Beats and uh, Ansel Elgort. This is like, it's uh, yeah, no, it's a really great school, and I think it's actually gotten better since I was there. Um, 
No, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I was actually, I mean, the first couple of years was really frustrating because I think the influence of that teacher, Anne Retray, when I was in junior high school, made me realize that acting was a discipline and it was a craft and it wasn't just about using your charisma, you know? Um, and I think that's very strange for somebody at 14 to really understand that and embrace that. And so it's, you know, they have this class of over a hundred kids every year. And I don't know if there's that many kids in the city who really understand what's required of them and, you know, super talented kids. But um, so there was like a handful of us that were like super like drama nerds who just wanted to work really hard to do this. And then there were like a bunch of kids who, who, you know, they didn't, they were talented, but didn't quite realize it's actually really hard work. Um, and then as, and then by the time I was like a junior and senior kids started to sort of, I think, get it, but I was ridiculously self-assured, like way beyond what I had any right to be. I remember very clearly in my freshman year, one of my classmates saying, so do you want to be an actor? And I'm saying, I am an actor. Um, you know, I don't need somebody to give me a paycheck or to call me an actor. I, you know, if I say I'm an actor, I'm an actor. And um, it was incredibly obnoxious, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it served me well because I think there's a certain amount of sort of blind self-assurance or, you know, willing, you know, disregard of the risks that is necessary to be successful. Who were your bright lights at the time? Like when you thought about the actors who you admired or you liked or who you were going to try and pattern some version of your career off of, like who is, uh, you know, who was in front of you? Who were you thinking about? Um, well, it was sort of on two different tracks. You know, there were the movie stars. I mean, you know, Gene Hackman was always a real hero of mine. Um, and of course, you know, like Pacino and De Niro and, you know, all the kind of the, the great actors that like guys really like. Um, but I remember really clearly my grandmother took me to the original production of Fences. And I remember seeing uh, Courtney B. Vance, who was at the time, you know, it was very early 20s. He was a really young guy. And it was and him going head to head with James Earl Jones and holding his own that he's playing a character named Corey. So that sort of helped with the identification. Um, but it was, it was revelatory to me to see that, that in the theater uh, experience is, is, is an incredible asset, but there is a certain sort of um, equalizing thing about it. And that it's, if everybody brings their full self, uh, to a great role at the right time, you can you can have somebody as powerful and 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 legendary as James Earl Jones going up against a kid, and that was that really stuck with me. Who else? Now that you have have been in the game and 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 bring a certain level of experience and knowledge to it, who now is on your Mount Rushmore? Like when you, you know what I mean when you think about who's got the goods defined however Corey wants to define it you know who's on mount stolmore <laughs> like who's working now uh, or, or in the past but but but, but it, like you know it in a way that that 15 year old kid i love it who said i'm an actor you know but you know it almost a little differently today and so maybe the same people are on Mount Stolmore, or maybe different people are on Mount Stolmore. But who's who, who's who's up there now? I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's there, there's so many so many great actors, and and um, I, God, you know, it's funny. It's I think more and more as I as I work, and I work with people, and they become peers or, you know, real people and, and not just stars. It, it, it makes it a little bit harder to see the performance. And I think sometimes seeing foreign language films, I can appreciate the, the work in a way that I sometimes can't in, uh, 
in, in, in our, my native language. And I, you know, I just saw, I mean, even though he's a big star here, Mads Mikkelsen, um, uh, another round. Did you see that movie? I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. It's great. And it's just, he's, he's just, he's just incredible. And he's just, he, he understands the camera and the camera loves him in this way. Uh, and he's caliber, you know, it's a, it's a performance. It's, he's supposed to be all these different kinds of drunk, you know, and uh, which is famously the hardest thing to play when you're an actor is to play drunk because it's just, there's just so many pitfalls. Um, but he's drunk almost the entire movie, but, but, you know, he has to calibrate it. So I've had, two glasses of wine. Oh, I've had a bottle of wine. I've had half a bottle of vodka and it's like, it's, it's brilliant. Wow. I love that. And I love the, the challenge of that is, as you describe that, I've always admired people when I've seen them do those kind of one person plays and, and the fact that someone could own that all the way through. I think I saw Lawrence Fishburne years ago, um, uh, do that. And, you know, again, there's, Maybe you take it for granted because you've done it so often, but your and other actors' ability to memorize lines and not just to memorize lines, but to be in the moment and to inhabit the whole thing and to tell me that whole story and to, at least for me to make it seem flawless. Um, mm. You know, it's funny. It's like, I think I think actors have such a love-hate relationship with when people say, how do you memorize all those lines? Because... You know, you've just like I've just I've done some other things too. The memorizing was just sort of sort of work. Uh, you know, if that's all you got from it, but um, but yet you do want some acknowledgement that that was a lot of work <laughs> that you memorized all those lines. Right, right, right. But I think I personally like I've done I've done some things, some one person things or things with really long monologues, and I I actually really and right now I'm doing. Uh, the show Billions, where I have these, you know, these really long speeches, and it's it's a it's a daily thing where I'm memorizing stuff. Um, it's actually as somebody who is not a not self-taught or sort of an instinctual actor, you know, somebody who 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 is overeducated <laughs> as an actor, it's it's actually helpful because it's like work. I can get to sort of like pretend I'm doing something, I'm working, you know, I, I have to do it. But like, there's been a few times where I've worked with at, like Charlize Theron is somebody who I was, is really was one of the most intimidating people I've worked with, even though she's, was incredibly generous and nice. But I just, I couldn't tell how she was doing what she was doing. You know, it was just, it was innate. It, it wasn't, I, there was no technique that I could say. Um, whereas you know, working with other actors who have incredible skill. It's, it's impressive and exciting, but I have a, I can sort of understand what they're doing. And I have a context for it. How do you think she was doing what she was doing? That is interesting when you, when you say it that way, how do you think she was doing what she was doing? I mean, I think she, on a very basic level, she was doing, she was playing make-believe. I mean, which is what we're, which is what we're all doing. Um, but maybe there, there were fewer steps in between. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she has a, you know, this incredibly complex uh, uh, technique, um, but it was invisible from the outside. You know, she would go from reading through the script to dropped in, totally emotionally connected and riveting. I, I, I've never met her before, but I've seen her talk about growing up a little bit and a very uh, tumultuous upbringing. And I was in a very bad car accident when I was a kid. They thought I was never going to walk again. And as a result, whenever I hear someone talk about something painful, I can drop in right away and I can almost feel it. And sometimes if it's a little too clear, I can almost physically feel that because I can still feel being on the side of the road. I can still feel, you know, uh, you know, stuff not being in a good space and place. And I wonder whether having, maybe I'm just projecting and making up now, but, but, but it's interesting as I hear you say that, and as I think about the conversations I've seen or have, I wonder whether there is some extra access, um, 
to a whole set of experiences. It maybe allows her to drop in sooner or, or more quickly um, because she wanted to leave where she was. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the, the truth is that everybody, everybody has trauma in their life on some level, you know what I mean? That we're, it's sort of, you, your, I think your psyche expands to fill whatever container it's in. And so if you live a life of, you know, incredible violence and poverty, um, you know, as we were saying before with like how kids are managing to, uh, to handle this pandemic and all the, you know, weird things with the mask and everything. Um, or if you have a, privileged life there's still these minor traumas that happen and i think your psyche can't at a certain point i think your psyche can't really tell the difference uh, and that's why art works that's why these representations of life that people act work because it, there is a universality you know what you know but it takes somebody really sharing their specific life experiences to reach across in that way. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married yeah. at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation <laughs> yeah. that didn't have to deal with Instagram and that. Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. favorite role uh, of all time. I, uh, I, I realize that I've, I, I've enjoyed you in so many different places and spaces from House of Cards to Billions to, uh, to movies to other things. But what have you enjoyed? Like what moved you? Um, I did Macbeth uh, two falls ago um, with my wife actually playing Lady Macbeth. Um, and it was in this very small theater, super pared down production, you know, hardly any furniture, just a few actors on stage. And it, it, that character, I've never had that experience of feeling this entire life on stage, you know, starting, starting off as this victorious warrior. Um, getting this sort of call to action by the, by the, and spooked by the, uh, by the witches. You see this, you see a glimpse into this incredibly complex and difficult, but loving marriage. You see the 
crime that he commits and then the descent into madness uh, and then a sort of a brief enlightenment and sort of understanding of what life is at the end. Um, and to be able to, to be able to play that every single night um, was, was like, if everybody would say, Oh, you're playing Macbeth. Is it really, and you're playing it with your wife. Is it just like torturous? Are you guys, you know, so sick of each other when you get home or you're at each other's throats. And it was the exact opposite. It felt like this exorcism every night where I just went through, it felt like I was going through every possible human emotion in, the, in, in, in every night and could just sort of wash that off with the blood at the, at the end of the night and go home happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love that. If, if you had a dream scenario going forward and if there was one role for you that somebody was going to perfectly bring uh, to Mr. Soul's doorstep, what, 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 what would they bring you? You know, that's, that's, it's really one of the hardest questions to answer. I get that. I think every actor gets that question a lot. And it, it, part of it is strange because you just, in the times where I've had sort of dream roles, you know, when I, when I got to play Hemingway, um, you know, when I, when I played Peter Russo in House of Cards, other, other roles that have been so fulfilling, I could not have predicted it. It wasn't until I got the role and was doing it that it was like, this is just self-fulfilling and is a good fit. Um, so that's, that's the non-answer. And then I would say along the lines of what I said with Macbeth, I think, you know, I'm getting a little old for it, but I think Hamlet, um, although I think, I think uh, uh, there's somebody who's playing it. It was like 82. Um, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen is playing Hamlet right now. So I guess I'm not too old. <laughs> you never, um, never too old. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, again, that the, the encyclopedic nature of, of the role is really appealing to me. That over the course of, you know, and Hamlet's like four hours long, over the course of that night, you go through, you have the, or at least the opportunity to go through every possible color every possible emotion and 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 i think that's the key to what's exciting and and fun and fulfilling about about being a, a performer is the variety is that you get to live these other lives you know it's interesting you mentioned ian and at 82 and i wonder whether there's something even more uh valuable and juicy about getting to be an actor at that age the, the chance to inhabit new spaces and places to remain vibrant to get that dopamine that you talked about to challenge yourself uh with the opportunity to memorize and, or and go into different places i wonder if there if there's a world in which uh you know like some good wine actually acting becomes more enjoyable as you as you get into a certain certain era of life oh absolutely absolutely I mean, that that's you know i think I, I think acting does give you the opportunity to to to, to fight time. You know that that time warps in a really interesting way within you know certainly during a play, and then even just between action and cut when you're when you're filming it 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 extends and deepens that time like a like any sort of meditation does anytime when you're really focusing and living fully in the moment it it extends that time and i think you know one thing that's one thing that's difficult about acting often if you're not on like a long-running tv show is you're pretty much you're a mercenary and you're going from gig to gig and that can be stressful but it's an incredible um gift to be able to divide your life into these experiences right you now for a few months i played this murderer and then for a year i played this lover and then you know for two weeks i played the smartest man in the world and you know um you know that was actually one of the one of the things that was actually really drove me crazy about the pandemic was i had been spoiled with 
being busy and being able to say, oh yeah, those three months of my life, that's where I was playing that role. And I suddenly I was adrift from that sort of way of marking time. How did you end up using the time? Were you sedentary? Were you restless? Were you pacing back and forth? Were you writing? How did you end up using the time? Sort of all of that. <laughs> I did a lot of writing. None of it I would ever show to anybody. Um, but I actually wrote more than I'd ever. I actually got into a daily writing uh, process, which has continued, which has been one of the greatest gifts from from this uh, time period. And I and I really focused on my time with my son. Um, my wife was actually much more busy uh, and needed her space because she was she was writing a project that was that and that she's continuing to do that's um much more sort of fully formed and um i was like okay well i'm i this is this is the this is valuable time with, with my son and so that that that's really been the the the, the silver lining um because now that i'm working a lot i'm pining for that for that time with my son yeah, yeah. It's pr it probably it'll be interesting as he grows up, his whether he remembers uh, this time as much. And it probably there's a particularly interesting window. If I remember right, is he is he four, five, six? Is he somewhere? Yeah, he'll be six in October. Yeah, yeah. So I, I bet you that there's probably some extra goodness that you got this time uh, with him that that it will it'll stay with him as much. Yeah, I think so. I think we we were really. I mean. Everybody suffered through this pandemic in their own way, um, you know, and you know, and definitely having a small child is it was ex exhausting, uh, you know, when you're confined at home. But it was also um, it was a blessing that he's of an age where he wants to hang out with me all the time. He's not a teenager yeah, who just wants yeah. to get, a, get you know, and and it was and just. Every single day, we laughed hysterically. There was something that he did that made us laugh hysterically, and that that, that is a real gift. Corey, that, that is a uh, that, that is a uh, that, that's a beautiful thing. Hey, how did you decide to do this film, uh, The Many Saints of Newark? Was uh, did they bring you to it? Did you did you come to it? How did uh, how did you end up getting involved? Uh, yeah, it came to me as an offer. Um, I certainly would have would have fought for it. Um, you know, I was a, I was a big fan of, of the show. Uh, you know, I, 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 I watched it when it was, when it was first on. And then actually when my wife was pregnant over that summer, we, she had never seen it. So we watched the whole thing through again. Um, and then, of course, when I was cast, I watched it again. So <laughs> um, I don't recommend really binging that show. I think it's something that you need a little break from, like watching more than two episodes a night. Yeah, it's so stressful. It's yeah. just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's the 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 identification that you have with these characters who are so reprehensible and um, live such a stressful life. It just it's just too much. But um, did did you know Gandolfini? Uh, did you did you as he was doing Sopranos? Did you know? No, you know, you know I Gandolfini? I I you know I got out of grad school in two thousand three, so it was just like as the show was um, was winding down. I never even got an audition for it, uh, which I always sort of regretted. I, I really I was like, I just got to get on that show, um, and so to to be able to be a part of it and to be, you know, part of the family. Uh, it, was, it was, it was really cool. Have you ever had any friends involved in uh, organized crime in one way or another? <laughs> um, not, you know, there was, it was one or two that I, I had, a, you know, some suspicions, of, you know, that, but uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I grew up in Miami uh, at a time in which, um, uh, you know, we were in transition as a city, and uh, and so lots of uh, lots of unusual characters. And I could envision New York being a place that, uh, uh, and obviously Newark uh, being a place that uh, you know had lots of people uh, involved in, uh, in in different ways. Um, uh, do you think we need a show like The Sopranos again? Um, 
uh, in any way, or was that what it was for its time? And we've got a whole new set of uh, of TV series in this golden age of television. You know, do we need anything? I think we need we need good writing, and we need you know we need David Chase writing. And if that's what he's going to write, then let's watch it. I mean, um, I, I think I think it's really, it's. I'm glad that it's going this way and not a continuation of the story because obviously that that story ended so brilliantly and and um, with such resonance that to then continue the story, I feel would be would really rob that brilliant last episode of so much power. Um, but I think I think this show, this movie, has is having a conversation with the series in a way that um, that deepens it, and um, I, you know, I, I think and honors it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a uh, uh, what an interesting time! All those shows, all of those gangster shows of one way or another. I'm also a fan of Peaky Blinders. If you ever watch that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, which yeah. is a, a different version of that uh, conversation, but also a uh, a good and uh, a good and valuable one. Um, Corey, when you look back at your career, and we talk a lot on the show about dreaming fearlessly and how people break through or not. Why do you think you've had as much success as you've had? And and I ask that openly, and I ask that given that you've had the advantage of actually been the one who lived that life and actually seen, you know what worked and what didn't. Why do you think you've been as busy, as thoroughly busy with as many interesting projects as you've had? Well, I, you know, I think luck is, 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 is an undeniable part of it. Luck, you know, not, you know, luck starting with um, having a family that supported me, supported me, you know, going, you know, go, going to, college and grad school and um you know having that having that that space to not have to um not have to wait tables i did some waiting tables but like i pretty quickly started working and i was so that was an incredible amount of luck i mean it's a hard question to to, to answer oneself i mean i I think I, you know, as I said before, I had this weird, unearned confidence uh, <laughs> starting when I was like fourteen. That's you know, and uh, and even though it was unearned and maybe a little bratty, and <laughs> uh, it it served me well because I think there is a certain amount of sort of willful. Um, blindness that you need you need to you need to visualize yourself where you're trying to go and 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 believe that you deserve to be there i think i think that is a huge part for where the times in my life where i feel like i have sabotaged myself it's um it it, it, it i think the root of that is is often that you feel like you don't, yeah, that you don't deserve it. Um, also, just, I mean, like, <laughs> I also just am incredibly lucky when I came, when I started working, it, I mean, just to be able to be a bald guy and not play a, you know, a biker or, you know, uh, you know, a, a prisoner you know it, it was it, until until pretty recently it was a pretty niche look um and the idea of somebody looking like me playing a lawyer or a doctor or just a regular guy um wouldn't have happened and so i, I think that was that would, that was actually quite a quite a bit of luck for me that that is so interesting that you say that you know malcolm gladwell writes in outliers about Steve Jobs and Bill Gates being born in 1955 and and basically says if they'd been born a couple years earlier or a couple years later, someone else would have been Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, meaning that there was a particular confluence of need and events and opportunity 
that may have facilitated some of that. And, you know, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. But that is, that's such an interesting thought uh, about, you know, would would you be as welcome into that space if you were, you know, uh, Corey 10 years older? Um, that, that, and, that's and, interesting. Yeah. You know, and, and if I had, and I think there's, you know, there, there was a moment as I was starting my career where there were multiple people in my life who were like, you need to get hair plugs. You need to, like, if you want to work, like, you, you need to do this. You need to make this change. And I'm not quite sure what it was about me that resisted it. Um, but I'm really glad I did because I think the those people in the industry that that saw something in me that wanted to hire me I think part of that was this sense of being comfortable in my own skin and that trying to chase a, um, uh, a sort of a conventional handsomeness or masculinity um, was in itself, you know, unattractive. <laughs> that, 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 that need to be needed. Um, and, and I re rejected that. Uh, well, I see you going back to that 14-year-old, or at least I go back to that 14-year-old and his unreasonable confidence and, uh, and, and how that may have powered you through, how that may have, you know, provided almost like a, uh, <laughs> like a safe shield that is, you know, may have taken you. Yeah, and it's weird because it's not, yeah. I don't want to give the impression that I am this supremely confident person. You know, I, 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 often play, you know, I've played a few supremely confident people, uh, but that's not, that's not who I am. But for some reason in a few <laughs> key things, I just didn't, I just could, didn't care enough to be, to, to want to change myself. Corey, when I, when I appreciate your work, when I appreciate Catherine Keener's work, um, sometimes I see actors, incredible actors who have had so many good, interesting roles but may not yet be household names. How do you think about that? How do you experience that? Um, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I just did a project that's top secret. I can't really talk about it, but it was, it was a thing where um, it, it's all performance capture stuff, you know, like the sort of camera with the dots on your face. And it was so pleasurable to do because it was finally this, this way where I can do my craft and I can express myself in all these great ways that it aren't the way that I can express myself in polite society. Um, and I'm using, I'm using my voice. I'm using the, my, the instrument of my face, but it's not me and I can, it's, it, 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 and there's that, that mask and that separation. And, um, I felt so free. And so I look, you know, if somebody stops me on the street and says, you're, I, I really love your work. Thank you. That, that means a lot to me, but a random person saying, Hey, you're famous sort of, uh, <laughs> You know, can I get a selfie with you? Is that is that is not pleasurable for me? That is really a pain. Um, and so, you know, I think I, yeah, I I enjoy the work. I enjoy working with people I respect, and I get incredible pleasure out of people who I respect respecting my work. Um, but the, but I'm the, 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 the fame stuff is, uh, uh, certainly I think it's pretty overrated. Um, you know, and that's speaking from somebody who's sometimes kind of famous, depending on where I am. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but I definitely like, I hated wearing masks all, all year, but it was sort of nice to be able to return to a sense of anonymity. I want to see that project. When's it going to come out? Uh, I'm not sure. It's going to be a while.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, you mind if I uh, close this with a little something I call rapid fire? All right. Um, what's your karaoke song? Ring of Fire. Oh, outstanding. Love that. Johnny Cash. Love that. Love that. <laughs> if uh, if you weren't an actor, what else would you be doing? Oh, gee, that's the problem. That's why I'm an actor. <laughs> what would I be doing? Uh, I, I'd be teaching, I think. I think. I don't know if that's a cheating to say that I'd be teaching acting, but. Yeah, no, that's good. I'll I'll take that. Um, uh, your favorite movie of all time, Doctor Strangelove. Oh, interesting. Most interesting thing you've learned about parenting. Um, it's a cliche, but the the this new level of love that you're capable of that nothing in your life before that really prepares you for seeing that in yourself. Best decision you've ever made. Uh. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I mean, the best decision I ever made was, was, it was happened at sort of at the same time, but getting married and, and having my son. Huh. Luckiest thing to ever happen to you. Best piece of luck you've ever had. Um, Woody Allen coming to see, uh, a play that I was in. He then cast me. If you were whispering to your younger self, whatever you wanted to whisper, but you were able to go back in time, what's the one thing you'd whisper to 18-year-old Corey? What would you whisper to him? You have about a minute with him. What are you going to tell him? Oh, I have a long time. Oh, I thought it was just one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, th- I actually think I could say it pretty concisely. I would say, enjoy your young body, you know, and, and you know, use it, run, play, get into the best shape you can by building yourself up, not just trying to be thin or whatever. Um, that, you know, I think that was something that I started to understand around that age was that my body was something that I could really enjoy and not just sort of fight against. Secret pleasure. Um, um, I know it's not so rapid. Let's see. Uh, I like. Oh yeah, I like. Um, uh, I, uh, um, sugar-free gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That, 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 that's totally good. Finally, uh, uh, most beautiful place you've ever been in this world? Bali. Nice. Oh, nice. For- yeah, and Bali. It, it's just it, it. It's both the natural beauty. 
and the the cultural beauty that they're every day. I mean, you can't drive down the roads there because there's some sort of ritual happening. There's a ritualization uh, in everyday life. You know, there's you know. I remember I was I had rented this scooter for the month. I was living there for like a month. And the guy who I rented it from said, I need the scooter back for one hour. And I was like, okay. And he brought it back. And he, there was this um, elaborate, like palm frond weaved thing on it because it was like the day to honor the God of transportation. <laughs> and so this was this, this offering that was now on the front of my scooter. You know, every, every, house you walk in front of there's some sort of altar um and and funerals are these are the biggest celebrations they have um so it's a it's a beautiful place i i really hope i can return would you would you live there if you could i think it's a little far from 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 the people i love but okay okay hey hey Corey, i really appreciate you taking time thank you for stopping by thank you uh, for all your good work. I just, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you have a uh, good weekend. You too, man. Okay. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends to find us on the iHeart Podcast app or Apple Podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Kerry Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-course, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.